You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. All right. Well, Father, I thank you for this new broadcast. I thank you for this series entitled Beholding. I thank you, Father, that as we behold Jesus, I thank you that we see ourselves. I thank you that as Jesus is, so are we in this world. And I thank you for creating us in your image, Father, uh, to be creative, to be uh, your partner, Father, in releasing heaven on earth. And I thank you, Father, for the power of spiritual sight. I thank you for the power of spiritual ears. I thank you, Father, for the principles that uh, tell us that we become what we behold. And so, Father, I thank you that as we dive into this topic and this series, I thank you, Father, that there's going to be uh, a massive shift in what people are beholding. I thank you, Father, for the grace that is going to take over their eyesight and cause them to shift their gaze upon you and upon the gospel. I thank you that the gospel is the power of salvation. I thank you that it is, it is the revelation of what Jesus has done for us as us. I thank you that it teaches us uh, how to live supernaturally and how to enjoy sonship, Father. I thank you that it brings us into union with you and that we can commune with the Holy Spirit, that we can know uh, God, you as Abba, as Daddy, and we can step into the marriage of the Lamb. We can step into the place where we are the bride of Christ, where we have an inheritance that is incorruptible, Father, that is ours through the blood of the Lamb. And I just declare, Father, that as we uh, get into to uh, the topic today and for the rest of this series, that eyes are open, that ears are open, that hearts are ready to receive, and that this is going to be a right now word for people, Father, that it is going to shift their perception of themselves and of all things, Father, of everybody else, and they are going to wake up to the new creation and that they are going to step into life as a new creature, and they're going to let go of the past, let go of shame, condemnation, and any other uh, thing that would be an illusion of separation from you, and they are going to begin to enjoy the unbreakable, unshakable Uh, union and oneness that they have with you. So I just give you praise. I give you thanks in advance in Jesus name. Amen. 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 So awesome. You guys, I'm glad you're here. I'm excited about this topic because it feels like day in and day out. I am talking to people who are really struggling. They are struggling with Uh, honestly believing the gospel, believing the truth about uh, what the gospel declares about them, uh, about uh, believing uh, that they are who uh, Jesus is (laughs) in this world. Why? Because we look in the mirror every day. We live with ourselves. We have emotions, right? We have thoughts. We have aches and pains in our bodies. We have these, these circumstances in our lives that if you let them will exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And so we are looking, we are beholding a lot of things that are not the truth. We are beholding the the, the scene realm. We are beholding uh, our natural man. We're beholding the old man instead of the new man. And we just have not fully accepted what Jesus has accomplished on our behalf. And so I want to kick things off with our foundation scripture for this series that really unpacks a very, very powerful uh, truth. So it comes from 2 Corinthians 3, 
And it's actually, if you read into 2 Corinthians 3, there's this compare and contrast that is between Moses and uh, us, really, okay? And it talks about this glory that is available because of God. It, uh, and we all know that Jesus, uh, that Moses, when he came down the mountain, that his face was shining, right? The glory of God was on his face. He had gone up to Mount Sinai. He had spent 40 days and nights in the, in the presence of God, obviously getting the Ten Commandments, and he didn't even eat. He didn't even drink. He was in the glory to such a degree that he didn't have to... Uh, you know, eat or drink. And, you know, we, we read that story in the Old Testament and we think, oh man, I wish I could be like Moses. Oh, I wish that I could have the glory of God shining from my face and all of these things. And we don't realize that every, a, a single follower of Jesus, a single believer has so much more glory than Moses ever experienced. Now, I'm not saying that you're experiencing it tangibly yet, but I can tell you that the principle of what Moses did and what I'm sharing in this podcast is the same. It has to do with what we behold. It has to do with uh, where we are looking. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, it, it just kind of does this compare and contrast. And so I'm going to start reading in verse 17. <clears throat> and it says this. It says, now where or, or now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of God or the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. Now I was reading that in the New King James Version. Let me just pull it up in the Passion Translation and let's see how it reads just to get it a little bit less, uh, I don't know, choppy in how we're reading it. Okay, it says, verse. I'll start in verse 18. It says, we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Oh, exciting. Somebody just uh, put on here that beholding is their word for the year. So awesome. Well, you know, this word behold, if you look it up in the Greek, it can go a couple of different ways, okay, depending on the translation. I mean, a lot of times it's just just translated look, like, but it has a lot of times also like an explanation after it, like it's an exciting look, right? When, when John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, right? It was a, a look with like excitement, like, wow, behold this. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so this beholding that I'm talking about is this looking. It's this gazing. It's this awe-inspiring uh, shift of your focus that moves it from anything that isn't God onto God, but specifically onto Jesus and specifically onto the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. Now, I love the way the Passion Translation tra uh, actually translates the word transformed because in the New King James Version and other translation, it says that we're being transformed, right? And sometimes when we think about being transformed, we think about, 
it being like a, you know, a caterpillar becoming a butterfly, meaning there was this, this caterpillar and it was uh, one kind of thing. And then it goes into the cocoon and then it, then it, it, then it, then it becomes something new. Okay. And what happens when we are beholding the Lord is not that we're getting changed into something new. Okay. The, The cross has finished the work of you becoming new. Okay. If any man be in Christ, Old things have passed away, right? Behold, again, all things have become new. So this this transformation is really better described as a transfiguration because what's happened already is that you have become new. You are a new creation right now. You have been born from above. It happened 2,000 years ago when you were crucified with Christ, when you were buried with Christ, when you were raised with Christ, and when you were seated with Christ. The truth about you is that you are a new creation. Now, I get it that, you know, whatever your, you know, awakening to the gospel looked like, whether that was an altar call, whether that was you praying at home alone, whether that was you praying along with someone on a TV show, right? Most of us are taught that when we pray this prayer of salvation, that that is when our, you know, we're regenerated, okay? I'm just going to gonna just say this already. Uh, what happens when you pray that prayer and you actually believe the gospel is that Jesus is unveiled to you, okay? The, the Apostle Paul talks about his conversion experience on the road to Damascus in the Galatians chapter one. And it says that he was separated from his mother's womb. And maybe I'll just go over there. Uh, let me just do it so we can uh, we can get on the same page about it, okay? So let's go over to Galatians chapter one and... Uh, uh, let me see where I want to read. Okay, let's just start. I'll just do this. We'll start in verse 11. It says, beloved ones, let me repeat emphatically the gospel that was entrusted to me. It was not given to me by any man. No one taught me this revelation for it was given to me directly by the unveiling of Jesus Christ. And as you'll notice, as we go through this teaching, there's a lot of unveiling. There's a veiled, you know, Moses's face was veiled, hiding the glory. And now there's this unveiling that we're talking about in 2 Corinthians 3 and over here in Galatians chapter 1. So that's a kind of a key word here when we're talking about uh, what we behold. In verse 13, it says, By now you've heard stories of how severely I harassed and persecuted Christians and how systematically I endeavored to destroy God's church, all because of my radical devotion to the Jewish religion. My zeal and passion for the doctrines of Judaism distinguish me from among my people, for I was far more advanced in my religious instruction than others my age. So we can just say this. Paul was a, was a religious zealot, okay? He was a religious terrorist, really, okay? So that was what he, where he started from, was not a Christian. And then verse 15, he says, but then God called me by his grace and chose me from my birth to be his. He was pleased to unveil listen to that word again, unveil his son in me so that I would proclaim him to the peoples of the world. After I had this encounter, I kept it a secret. And for some time, I shared it with no one. So depending on the translation that you read of this scripture, if I go to the amplified version, let's just go down here and see how it translates it. Uh, It says it this way. It says, verse 15, but when he who had chosen and set me apart, even before I was born and had called me by his grace, his undeserved favor and blessing, saw fit and was pleased to reveal, unveil, disclose his son within me so that I might proclaim him among the Gentiles. So this conversion experience that Paul 
pad on the road to Damascus. And if you remember from last week, we went through, when I did the word of the month from February, we went through Paul's conversion. And you know, there was no altar call. He had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Uh, There was a light that shined around him and he was blinded. Okay, he went and uh, they they led him by the arms because he was blind into the city of Damascus. And he prayed for three days and was having visions of Ananias coming and laying hands on him and restore, restoring his sight. So a pretty unconventional conversion. Uh, so it really doesn't matter exactly like what the, you know, what we call the conversion experience is. What actually happened at that conversion is that Jesus was unveiled within you. Okay, now. Unfortunately, that is not always the way the gospel is presented to us. We can get saved and just think that God forgave our sins. Uh, you know, we can get, we can say a sinner, you know, we call it the sinner's prayer, right? And we, we repent of our sins. You know, what does that even mean? You know, like there's so much religious language around the conversion experience. But what I want to talk about today is that What is going on in your life right now is that you are being transfigured. You know, I talk about that word is kind of the one word why of my life. You know, the work that we do in Emerge is we help people discover their purpose. And we actually boil that thing down to one word. So some people have the word freedom or some people have the word beauty or some people have, you know, whatever the word is. Well, for me, the one word is transfiguration. And I know that my assignment in the body of Christ, just like it was Paul's assignment in uh, his day, right? To pre- He had an assignment to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Well, my assignment is to transfigure the body of Christ. It is to reveal Jesus in you so that Jesus can be expressed through you. And so this revelation of Christ in you is the foundational revelation of your life. Because it redefines you and it redefines every human being. Because why? Jesus was the lamb that took away the sins of the whole world. Okay, so from God's perspective, right, we are seated right there in heavenly places inside of him at the right hand of the father. Now, we can be completely awake, uh, totally asleep to this, not be totally asleep to the fact that Jesus is walking around in us. Heck, you can say the sinner's prayer and still be asleep to that. But the true gospel is the mystery of Christ in you. And when this process of transfiguration, this process is not a transformation. It's not uh, the caterpillar becoming a butterfly. It's the revealing of the butterfly that's already a butterfly that thinks it's a caterpillar. Okay. And so you are already a new creation. You are already one with Jesus. But the truth is, most of us are living and operating a lot of the time as though we are a caterpillar, as though we are still an old man. We are taught in church by well-meaning people that we have a sin nature, right? That we're going to struggle against sin our entire life. Okay, well, that is just not good news. That is, there's nothing, nothing new about that. I mean, a lot of us are just holding on to Jesus, hoping we can make it and looking like death is our actual salvation from sin, right? When I die, I'll get to heaven. But that is not the gospel. The gospel is heaven is now. Heaven is in you along with the Godhead. So 
this transfiguration is, is so key. I mean, this is what God is doing on the planet right now. He is revealing Christ in us. He's revealing Christ in all. He's revealing Christ that Jesus is the cohesive uh, vibration that upholds all things with the word of his mighty power. That's from Hebrews chapter one. In Colossians chapter one, that Christ is all in all, that he, that God was in Christ reconciling the cosmos to himself. So transfiguration is this revealing of the finished works of Jesus that created a new cosmos. So this isn't just about transfiguring you. It's about transfiguring all of creation that is moaning and groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God, for the unveiling of the sons of God. And so you are a strategic part of that unveiling because you have been been recreated in Christ. You've been made in God's image to co-create. And when I say co-create, I want to say to co-reveal the new birth of the cosmos. And it starts with the revealing of you and you seeing Jesus in you, not because you can feel it, not because you always are connected to it in your brain, but simply an acceptance of of the truth about who you are. Now, getting this truth into you, that's called mind renewal, right? And even in mind renewal, when it talks about it in Romans 12 too, it says, you know, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, in Romans 12 too, that same word metamorpho, which we get our word metamorphosis from, is also the same word that is translated in uh, 2 Corinthians 3, what is that, 18? That is metamorpho, that the passion translation actually, it, it translates it to me much more clearly. Let me get back up here and, and get that for you. Uh, so Second Corinthians 3, going down to the bottom of the chapter. So that metamorpho word is actually translated as transfigured in Second Corinthians 3.18. And so this transfiguration is what God is up to. You are not going to become something more than you already are. What's going to happen is you are going to renew your mind and you are going to begin to release the illusion of separation from God. That is going to be healed in your, in your, in your vision. That is going to be healed in your little neural pathways. And mind renewal is always the process of releasing separation from God. It is the integration with Jesus Christ in your consciousness. It is your, an awareness of your union with God. And I want to say this, that you can only be aware of union with God right this very moment. Okay. You can't, you know, project, you know, your awareness into tomorrow and you sure as heck can't go back and project your awareness in the past. Now, what happens is, is because we've all been born into a planet that doesn't yet recognize the gospel, doesn't yet recognize that, I mean, Paul said that he was separated and set apart from his mother's birth. Okay. So we, he got that, but he didn't get it when he was born, right? He got it after he got the revelation of the gospel. But this has been true about Paul since he was born. He just awoke to it, if that's the right way to say it. He woke up to it 
on the road to Damascus. And so there is this awakening, this unveiling, this disclosing of you, who you really are that happens through the power of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you into the truth about you, about the gospel, so that your mind is renewed and the transfiguration is now experienced, right? The Holy Spirit is the I would like to say the executor of the will of our inheritance. The Holy Spirit is, that's why it says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's liberty from the old man. There's liberty from, uh, you know, the sin consciousness that has been uh, infused in us by just being born in a world that is steeped in the illusion of, uh, of, of separation from God. So the Holy Spirit is convicting us of righteousness. I know we talk about the Holy Spirit's convicting us of sin. No, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. That's what John said. And when the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, he's not convicting the world of their individual sins. He's not saying, oh, you need to stop smoking, cussing, drinking, you know, and chewing and going with people that do those things. That's not what he's convicting us of. He's convicting us of righteousness. The world's sin is that they don't know righteousness in Jesus. They don't know the gospel. The sin is, is, is a entity. Okay. It's the entity that Jesus became on the cross. It's the harmatia. I don't ever say the word right. Ha, like I say it. I'm just going to say it. Sin is an entity. Okay. It's not just a list of rights and wrongs. It is an entity that was extracted from you through the crucifixion of Jesus. And you are holy and blameless and innocent and new. And I know that I say these things in a lot of different ways over the podcast. And I know sometimes people can say, well, I already know that. But the truth is, it's not about you mentally assenting assenting to the gospel. It's about the gospel becoming the experience of your life. It's about the fruit of the gospel in your life. It's about you being a transfigured son of God, doing the same works that Jesus did and operating in the fruit of the spirit. And all of that comes as we behold Jesus, as we behold the Lamb of God, as we behold the Lamb of God in a specific way, okay? It's not just to to say, oh, look at Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for your mercy, which is powerful and wonderful. But what's, what, what we're talking about here and here in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians in chapter 3, it's, it's beholding as in a mirror, okay? We are beholding the Lamb of God as in a mirror. Because Jesus is the mirror image of you. Now, let me read it again, and then we're going to go another place. It says this, we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord. So I'm going to go back to the New King James, New King James Version for a moment because I want to talk about this mirror a little bit. It says in verse 18, it says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed or transfigured into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. So now I want to go over to Colossians chapter three, and I am going to read that in the passion translation. And I just want to just, man, this is such good news. 
it says this in verse one, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above, for that's where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. It says, yes, feast. And I want to say, behold, (laughs) behold, all of the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions of the natural realm. It says your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. And now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. And now this is the the key scripture that I was working towards here in verse four. And it says, as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you are or who you really are will also be revealed for you are now one with him and his glory. Okay, so this is the power of beholding. When we behold Jesus, we are a mirror and, and, and it is a mirror that is reflecting Jesus. And as we, it says here, as we see Jesus for who he really is, who we really are will be revealed. Okay. So this, this relationship that we have with a mirror has to shift. Okay. We don't go into the, the, you know, into the, whatever, to the restroom or wherever we have a mirror in our house and look in the mirror and see ourselves as the old man. Okay. We don't look at our natural reflection. No, we look away from the natural realm and we feast on heavenly realities. And what we do is we have a new mirror. And I, I mean, I would, if this helps you, you should go get a picture of Jesus and put it on your mirror. Because Jesus is the mirror image of you. And you guys, I have shared my story many, many times about, you know, the assignment that the Holy Spirit gave me years ago when I was still a baby, baby Christian. And uh, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to meditate on one scripture for a whole year, right? It was from Colossians 1.27. And it was the scripture that basically says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, I want to tell you where I started. Where I started was with a really, really I'm just going to say it, crappy relationship with myself, okay? I was sin conscious. I was guilt ridden. I felt condemned. I struggled with anxiety. I struggled with depression. I actually had just recently, you know, maybe within that last year, gotten a a diagnosis of bipolar disorder. And so I started, you know, you guys have also seen me bring out my little prop here. You know, one of the things, the very, very first things the Holy Spirit ever said to me is that, you know, you've got more problems than a math book. And, and when he said that, I, and he said this, you can't solve them all at once. And he showed me and my mind was like a rubber band ball. Now, I know I break this out every once in a while, but the Holy Spirit had wanted me to break out again. And he, because here's the deal. He said, every one of these rubber bands that are on you is a lie that you've believed about yourself. And guess what? That little ball inside of that rubber band is not getting out of that. It's not getting out of that rubber band ball. But the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth, has a job to do as the spirit of truth. And the job of the Holy Spirit is to lead you into the truth that sets you free. And the Holy Spirit knew, (laughs) Father and Jesus knew that I needed to get a new mirror. That the way that I saw myself was just completely hidden in lies instead of completely hidden in Christ. And so he said, 
I want you to go go to the mirror and I want you to stare at yourself until you can see Jesus Christ's eyes staring back at you through your own. Now, I didn't know about meditation. I didn't know about beholding. I didn't know that if I just would behold Jesus and I would just set my gaze on Jesus, that that would transform the way I saw myself. But the truth of Christ in me, the hope of glory, began to do the work. Why? Because the gospel is the power of salvation. The gospel in itself has the power to transfigure us. It is what transfigured the Apostle Paul. He got the revelation that this was an unveiling of Jesus inside of him. And so if you need to go put a picture of Jesus on your mirror, whatever you need to do as a prop, Okay, so that you begin to behold, wait a second, it's no longer I that live. It's Christ in me that lives. Guys, this is so foundational. And I I get so uh, emotional, honestly, at how, uh, how up and down so many of us are because we forget, we forget. We, it, we're like the guy in James, right, that says, you know, you, you behold the, the perfect law of liberty, but then you, you know, you, you forget, you forget who, what kind of person you are, right? You forget, you, you, you don't, you don't stay beholding. You don't stay gazing in the mirror. And so you forget, and then you get distracted by the natural realm and you fall back into the illusion of separation. And you start to believe that you are less than who God is, and, and I, I know when I talk like this, I mean, this is what got Jesus crucified, right? Because why? He said, you know, he made himself out to be equal with God. And I am not saying that you are God in and of yourself, but I am saying that God is in you and that that is true about you. You are forever engrafted into the Trinity. You are a part of the body of Christ. And that is a picture of oneness. And as you behold Jesus as a mirror, you are transfigured. So if you want to, to move to the next level and go glory to glory and see the next level of the manifestation of you, well, the next level of manifestation of you is found in the mirror of Jesus Christ. Because as you see him for who he really is, who you are will also be revealed. Okay? And that is such a powerful revelation. And many times we can be busy with Christian activities that don't actually lead to transfiguration. Uh, Why? Because religion steals our focus. Uh, It gets us exhausted. We end up in toil and we're not able to just rest in the presence of God, recognizing that it's already finished. We, we don't, we don't sit down on the throne with Jesus. We're, tr- we're too busy trying to have encounters in the throne room. And, and what I want to say is this is just, this is so, um, key. I mean, this revelation set me free. Why? Because that's what it does. Right. And as I began to behold Jesus, you know, you know my story, unless you're new to this podcast, right? The Holy Spirit began to really minister to me. And one time the Holy Spirit said to me, you are Jesus in a chalice suit. I mean, it's hilarious. How many people have picked that up now? Take it. Revelation is mine, but it's yours. It's the revelation of the gospel. And Jesus in a chalice suit is who you actually are. Jesus is your your true identity. 
And so I started to sit with that. And I remember, you know, I, it was kind of like, okay, I'm wearing a Halloween, a Jesus Halloween costume, <laughs> right? I am Shalise in a Jesus suit and it's Jesus in a Shalise suit. Jesus is wearing me for Halloween and I'm wearing him for Halloween. And I'm not trying to bring in Halloween and everybody start giving me ugly comments. Okay. I'm just making a point. It's something that has costumes, right? It makes a point. And what I'm saying is, is that that started to kind of sink in. I was like, oh, okay, I'm wearing a Jesus suit. I'm Shalice in a, G in a Jesus suit. Oh, but wait, I'm also Jesus in a Shalice suit. Christ is in me and I am in Christ. And I started to start to get that, wait a second, this, this, this flesh, this body, uh, this mind, my emotions are, are going to respond to how I see myself. And if I see myself as Jesus in a Shalice suit, well, then the real me is Jesus right? And so it started to really sink in. And, you know, what the Holy Spirit said, look at that picture, look in the mirror until you can see Jesus's eyes staring back at you. And then one time Jesus said, now go look at Revelation chapter one. And again, I know I've shared this before, but for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit wants you to know it coming into 2024. There are things that the sons of God are here to do this year, and we can only do it as transfigured sons. Your destiny, your purpose is for the real you. And uh, the inheritance that God has for you can only be enjoyed by the real you. You can't enjoy that thinking like an orphan. You can't enjoy that thinking in unrighteousness. You have to be bold. You have to come in like I'm righteous. I've got the same makeup that Jesus has. And this belongs to me because I'm married to Jesus. This belongs to me because I'm one with him. He's the head. I'm the body. He's in me. I'm wearing Jesus and I am Jesus in a Shalice suit. And so he said, I want you to go to Revelation chapter one, because Revelation chapter one is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the revelation of the gospel. I know we project it all into the future and all these things, all this theology comes out of it. But at its core, it's very clear in the beginning, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is the revelation of you. Jesus Christ is the revelation of what a son of God is. It is a revelation of who God is. It is a revelation of his intention for planet Earth. It is a revelation of how we were designed to function. It is the revelation that will determine how far you can go in life and how much of your destiny you can actually fulfill. It's going to be directly correlated to your self-image. You cannot rise above your image of yourself. And you are, in fact, in the image of Jesus Christ. And so if you go over to Revelation chapter one and you start to read this, right? I call it scary Jesus because it scared, it scared John so much. He, you know, fell down like he was dead. <laughs> he beheld Jesus and it was so much glory. There was so much glory that it was like you couldn't stand it. Boom, he's out, right? Well, that's the glory that's in you. That's the glory that's in you. And then he started to see Jesus. He had, you know, a face that was shining like the sun. He had eyes of fire. He had this two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. His feet were like burnished bronze, right? And he said, I hold the keys of, of death and of Hades, which is the realm, realm of the dead. You know, sometimes they translate it hell. But the point is, is that Jesus has victory over death. Yes. And you're just like, woo. But guess what? That's who's in you behold who is in you. It's not the sweet Jesus in the manger. I mean, God bless Jesus for, you know, being born in a manger and thank God he be, for the incarnation. But that is not what we're beholding. That's not the image of who you are. It's not even the image of who Jesus was when he was turning water into wine and walking on the water and 
teaching his disciples how to do the, you know, do signs and wonders and sending them out two by two and multiplying bread and raising Lazarus and doing all these signs and wonders, which is phenomenal. But there were signs and wonders all throughout the Bible. See, but that's not even the Jesus of who you are. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. You are coming into the knowledge of what it means to be a resurrected human being while you're still here in the flesh, while you're still here on the other side, on this side of death. On this side of death is where God wants you to experience heaven. On this side of death is where God wants you to be the, the a resurrected human being. Jesus was walking around with the knowledge that I am the resurrection. And when you start to step into that Jesus is the resurrection and the resurrection lives inside of you, what does that mean about you? What does that mean about your authority? What does that mean about death? What does it mean? It, it, does it mean that you hold the keys too? Does it mean that you are deathless? Does it mean that death has no dominion over you? Poverty has no dominion over you? Sickness and disease has no dominion. Hey, bipolar had no dominion over me. Wait a second. How, how powerful is resurrection? How, how powerful is the resurrection? How much glory is there in the resurrection? And so my question is, what are we beholding? What are we beholding? Are we beholding ourselves totally separate from Jesus? So when we go into the mirror and we look at ourselves, we think, oh, well, we just always see is our flaws. You know, we just, we just are so focused on what is wrong, which is called sin consciousness. Do we feel guilty? Do we feel condemned? Do we feel less than? Do we feel insecure? Do we feel inferior? Do we feel broke? Do we feel broken? Do, I mean, again, feelings are not attached to the mirror of Jesus Christ. Feelings follow. They're, they're the, they're the fruit. Okay. They're not the root. The root is Christ or the root is separation from God. So if you have a root of separation from God, you're going to have a storm, you know, that's constantly brewing in your emotions. But if you are rooted and grounded in Christ, you are rooted and grounded in the love of God and you are accepted and you are, you are the exact same material as Jesus. And this will completely elevate your experience. The unveiling of Jesus is what's trans, that, the, the beholding of Jesus is where the transfiguration occurs. And so as I beheld, you know, what I call scary Jesus, it's scary to hell, scary to the devil, scary to death, scary to poverty, like terrifying, terrifying. That is how that Jesus is so powerful. <laughs> so, I mean, that's what the enemy does, right? He tries to exalt himself against the knowledge of Jesus, against the knowledge of God. We take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, who the resurrected King and Lord over all, who has honor and power and glory and dominion, all of those things that it describes in Revelation. And guess what? You're seated. When we read Revelation and we, you know, it says come up higher and you see the throne and you see the rainbow around Jesus's head. Guess what? That is where you are seated. You are seated with the rainbow crown on your head. You are in Christ, in heaven, right this very minute, living a resurrected life. You are interdimensional, connected with the, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You are so very, very powerful. And I will tell you, as you behold Jesus, the resurrected King of Kings that lives inside of you, and you start to really accept that his resurrection is my resurrection. I'm not talking about the resurrection in the, in the, in the future. 
I'm talking about the resurrection now. The apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter three, that this is what he was, he was trying to obtain. He said, I'm forgetting the things that I've left behind. Not that I've yet obtained it, but I'm forgetting those things that I am reaching towards the prize that God has already won for me. Let's go over there because I love Philippians 3. I have sat with this and I really like it in the Amplified Classic version. Let me see if I can grab it. Oh, I can. Okay, let's go over there. It says this. um, This is so powerful. I'm going to go... Now, I love Philippians 3. Let me just back up for a second. Oh, I'm out of time. Shoot. Well, we'll pick it up next week. But I love Philippians 3 because it is really Paul's process of disidentifying, that's a word, like of dropping the identification with who he was in the natural. It was like him putting off the old man. And he starts to talk about that process. So maybe I'll start there next week. But let me just go into this last part of it. And I'll start in verse 10. And he says, for my, this is the Amplified Classic version. He says, for my determined purpose is to know him. Okay, that Greek word know is gnosko. It is an experiential knowing. It is a, it is a heart knowing. It is a intimate knowing. He says that I might know him, that I might progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. Why? Why was Paul determined to know Christ and him crucified? Why was Paul determined to make it his his gaze, his aim to progressively know Jesus? And it also says that he would also know the power of his resurrection. Let me keep reading. But why? Why? Because beholding. He was beholding. He was beholding and being transfigured. And it says this, and that I might in the same way, come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection. It says, which it exerts over believers and that I might so share in his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even in his death, in the hope that if possible, this was his hope, I might attain to the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead, even while in the body. Like talk about, a determined purpose to behold. Okay, so Paul is not saying, I want to fellowship with Jesus by suffering with Jesus. You know, there's so much nonsense we talk, talk, teach in the body of Christ. I don't teach it, but people teach in the body of Christ about suffering. No, Paul was basically saying that I want to fellowship with the cross. I want to be so co-crucified. I want to be so identified with the sufferings and the blood and the, the water that flowed from Jesus. I want to be so co-identified with his death and his grave and so co-identified. I want to behold the resurrection. I want to know the power that came out of that resurrection. Why? Because I want to live as a resurrected human being right now. I want to be transfigured. I want to behold these things. And then he says, not that I've already attained this or I've already been made perfect, but I press hold to lay hold and grasp and make my own that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me and made me his own. So Paul's determined purpose was to lay hold of his true identity. His his purpose was to fellowship and be co-included to such a degree, co-crucified, co-buried, co-raised, co-ascended, co-seated, to be so included that he was actually walking around as a resurrected human being while he was still in the body. 
Okay. He was actually his, he was being conformed to the, the full image of Jesus. He was being transfigured. And we know that this was the case in the apostle Paul's life because of his writings. He had the revelation of this and he shared it with the church. And beloved, what we behold is what we become. Now, I will talk in this series that it works both ways, that what you behold, you will become. So if you behold sin, if you behold guilt, if you behold consciousness, guess what you're going to do more of? And if you behold righteousness and you behold your identity in Christ, guess what's going to be produced in your life? We are powerful, powerful, powerful. I've been teaching uh, on, you know, the quantum physics of faith. I've been, you know, I did a whole series on that coming into the new year. Our word for the year is that we are here to learn to dominate the matrix, that we are here to learn to manipulate the matrix. And I'll tell you, the only people that can manipulate the matrix can truly take dominion over the world system are transfigured sons. Transfigured sons defy death. They could not kill the apostle Paul until, <laughs> even though he said, hey, it's better if I go, right? He, he wanted to be face to face with Jesus. But he said, it's better that I stay. Like G Paul operated with dominion over death. Paul operated, they could not, they could, he's, you know, they, they, he operated with that. I mean, when you stone someone back in Roman days, like they didn't, they didn't walk, they didn't get up and walk away. Okay. So, so many stories about saints that just defied death or, you know, got their heads chopped off and they were still preaching the gospel. I mean, so many crazy stories, mystical stories. But my point is, is that what we behold, we become. And if we, uh, back to that whole matrix thing, I mean, it is a quantum physics principle that what we observe uh, becomes particles. It actually becomes matter that what we, we materialize what we observe, let's say it that way. So this is a quantum physics principle, what we behold materializes, and it is also a scriptural principle. So beholding Jesus, beholding and, and, and staying focused on the burial, resurrect, I mean, the burial, I'm sorry, the crucifixion, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus is his resurrection. As you behold that, you start to recognize who you are. So do what you need to do, beloved. Get, get your Jesus picture, get, I don't know, get a scary Jesus picture. I mean, there's some funny ones on the internet. If you want to see some funny things, <laughs> Google, you know, Revelation 1 chapter Jesus. I mean, there's some, I mean, they're creepy. <laughs> but if that creeps you out, if that creeps you out, you know what? Don't do that. Because it's not about, you know, not about being creeped out by Jesus. He is not scary to us. In, in, in a sense, right? I'm sure, you know, what we, if we saw what John saw, it would be scary too, but I'm so grateful that he, that he wrote that. And Jesus said, write what you see in a book, because it's a picture of Jesus and his glory. It's a picture of who lives inside of us. And so it's time, it's time to behold. It's time to shift your focus. Again, you can only abide. Your focus is only right now. So it, it really doesn't matter what you've been focused on yesterday Right now is what matters. Shift your focus. Shift your focus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the whole world. Behold Jesus. And as he is revealed, who you really are will be revealed too. So God bless you guys. I'm excited about this series. It's going to be powerful. And I just believe you guys are going to be waking up to a whole new level of transfiguration. So love you much. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Shalise's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit Shalice.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalice's book, The Path, for free. 
And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at Shalice.com and watch Shalice's free training where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.